It's that time. Everything and anything basketball. Presented by The Outrage. With Peyton Puritani Castle and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. Welcome everyone back to Polar Opposite. Spencer Byers, Cajun, The Ruth, Danny Castellum, and Cage. A lot of stuff's happened since we were back on technically late Tuesday, early Wednesday. We're now calling up on late Wednesday. A lot of scraps happened. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuffs happened. A lot, a lot of stuff. So uh, this will be coming up, I believe, technically on Friday. Little later this week on our regularly scheduled programming, but busy lives indeed for the two of us. But regardless, basketball don't wait for us. So we'll start off yep. with the breaking news of the week in Draymond Green. Yes, Draymond Green, or as Cajun likes to call him, Donkey from Shrek, has continued his um extracurricular ways by getting a five game suspension. Yes, five game suspension for placing Rudy Gobert in a chokehold during a fracas between the Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors. So, Cage, do you feel like the suspension was fair? Before we get into the commentators, before we get into the actual action, which we will talk about between um, Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson, who are both just fine in the situation, Draymond's the only player to get suspended. What do you feel like this? Do you think the suspension is fair to Draymond Green in this situation? Should have been suspended for for longer than five games. I would uh, might be harsh to say, but I should, but I would have said fifteen, based off of his history. I mean, sticking kicking Stephen Adams in the groin on numerous occasions, being dirty during the playoffs. There's literally like a compilation of his dirtiest moments. And maybe poetic justice was served in a way when Jared Allen kicked him in the groin. But um, it's been excused for way too long. From the NBA, from the Warriors. Who could forget about the Jordan Poole punch? And how mishandled that was from the Warriors. I think not only has the NBA allowed it, but the Warriors have like let it go on for so long that it's gotten out of control this season and even he had an altercation with Donovan Mitchell and put Rudy Gobert and Gobert in a headlock when he was just trying to break up the situation I'm gonna get to the announcers in a second <laughs> but we can't forget about what he did in 2016 to LeBron I'm gonna bring up a name and I don't know if you're gonna look at me crazy for saying this but John Morant or as I like to call him Demetrius now I know what the severity of what he what he had um what he had done and like how flashing flashing a gun, whether it's a toy or not, is can influence influence youth for the worse. And the NBA does not want any of that. With the sort of history that Draymond has had, the NBA is being like it's night and day between how they handle Moran and ha- handle Draymond. Draymond's behavior doesn't exhibit that in which youth should follow or accountability whatsoever. And it seems like the NBA is let, and the Warriors have just let them got on, gone off for so long. To me, five games wasn't enough. Should have been a lot longer than that. 
Well, and Cage, I'll I'll specify why I didn't say headlock and I said chokehold. Because when you watch it back, Draymond comes from behind, throws the arm around the neck, and then basically sinks in a rear naked choke. What would be a rear naked choke in the UFC or and or in MMA if you're not necessarily in the, the top promotion? That's what it was. That's what he sinked in. That's what he gritted his teeth at. That's what he did. So it wasn't even a headlock where he got the arm around like the chin or the forehead and pulled him, pulled him back. He threw it right around his neck and tried to pull him backwards that way. Now, I got to be honest, Cage. Now, we both know and I openly admit that I would be a dirty player if I played any sport. Relatively. I would definitely tiptoe the that. line of okay or not okay because that's just who I am. I play everything. I would play it on the edge because I want an advantage. And as a five foot four white guy, I need to find an advantage. So that means I got to tip to the line. I got to tip to the line. If my teammate, regardless if they're a seven footer or my height, got put in a chokehold by an opposing player, they're getting hit. Like, I'm sorry. How Draymond Green didn't get decked by somebody is ridiculous by the Timberwolves, by the Minnesota Timberwolves. You want to talk about no fight, no passion, soft? That's soft. How nobody got a hold of Draymond Green. Even if you didn't like hit him and you just kind of grabbed him away and you gave him a stern talking to or sort of calling him names, you know, I, I can't believe that nobody put their hands on him. Because I can tell you, I would put my hands on him. Draymond Green would have known I was there if he put one of my teammates in a chokehold. That's ridiculous. Like, I do not get it. Do not get it. So I agree with you. I, I think Draymond should have got more than just the five games. I understand it's an 82-game league, allegedly. So you know how Mar- you know how Moran got suspended for twenty five games. I'm yep. gonna even one up here. I think you should have gotten that. I don't know if twenty five is. You right. gotta set a pre- you gotta set a precedent. You gotta set a precedent be- based off of what he has gotten away with over the years. See, but I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can fix past sins by over by over exalting your power. I think ten to fifteen would have been fair. I think people would have overreacted and said it's too many, and my answer would have been, no, it's not. He put him in a chokehold that is only used to hurt people, and Draymond had no stake in that fracas. He didn't start it. He didn't end it. He actually escalated it, and ironically, so I think Draymond should have gotten more than just the five games. Now we're going to move on to why it started, and I'll be honest with you, Cage. I heard the announcers, too, so I'm going to dunk on them first before I throw off the alley-oop, but I'm going to start with the incident. If you didn't see it. Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson got got tangled, quote unquote, got tangled. That is not what happened. Do not let the media tell you that's what happened. Go out and watch it because that is not what happened. What happened was Clay went to box out Jaden McDaniels, got his hand on the front of Jaden McDaniels shirt, like fit clump, like a (laughs) fistful of his jersey. Jaden McDaniels pushed him off like, hey, what are you doing? And then Clay held on. So then Jade McDaniel was like, oh, hell no, you're not doing that to me right now. And then they got in a shoving match. Clay mm-hmm. Thompson started it. Draymond Green escalated it, and it finally ended. How Clay Thompson was not suspended is ridiculous. And to add on top of that, Cajun, before I throw you the alley-oop on the commentators, because I assume you saw the clip as well. The commentators, I did, and I heard the Golden it. State, the Golden State commentators, during the replay of the incident that anyone could see that – Clay Thompson started it, grabbed the jersey, wouldn't let go, pulled on Jaden McDaniel's shirt, which then laid Jaden McDaniel's go, nah, 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 you're not doing that to me right now. Not going to happen. Equal force. And the Golden State Warriors commentator said, and I quote, 
what is Jaden McDaniels doing there? And tried to push all the blame onto the younger player. How dare you try to say that when you have the replay in front of you? I am a commentator. I am a commentator for two different college slash universities in the Ontario area. I am not a true professional. I am an aspiring true professional. But I am a commentator. I have done, I have seen OHL hockey. I have been in the room for other sports, lacrosse, basketball, football, what have you. I would not stand for my commentator to be that biased when the call is that far off. And yes, I am a Bruins fan openly. So yes, I know that Jack Edwards is some of the worst for it. And I understand that. So I will not try to say that he's not the worst for it. But I still am disgusted with what they said. Because trying to push the blame onto the guy that had to retaliate because of Clay Thompson's actions, who is the veteran, who is the guy who shouldn't be doing this type of stuff. And then Draymond Green to escalate it. And no one retaliate for that. And all his problem is the five-game suspension, which then will mean loss of income, which is up to, I think, $700,000, I believe, is the loss of income due to the five games. I can't believe it, Cage. I don't know how Clay Thompson's not suspended right now, even if it's only for, like, a game or two. I don't know how the Golden State Warriors commentators decided to place all the blame on the young man, Jaden McDaniels. But everybody right now in San Francisco should be ashamed because that was ridiculous, top to bottom. In my opinion, Cage, what did you think of Clay's actions and then of the commentator's reaction to what Clay and Jade McDaniels got into? Damn, Spence, that was a heck of a lob. Um, well, let me get let me start off by saying this on the right foot. You as a commentator are more of a professional than the hogwash that I've seen from Bob Fitzgerald and Kalena Acid as a bookie. Yes, we're mentioning names here. Deal with it. To blame it. On McDaniels, who just retaliated after what Clay Thompson did, or as I like to call him, Squidward's house, because he looks like exactly that, is deplorable. They also said two other things that kind of pissed me off, too. Clay, Tom- uh, Clay Thompson's such a mild-mannered guy, he never gets into situations like this. I'm like, um, nobody remembers the situation with Devin Booker? In which he got into a scrap with him? Well, maybe not as much of a scrap as this was, but... Mild manner? Hello? This man's been talking trash with his four rings signal, four of which have basically been riding the coattails of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant too. And then on top of that, they were excusing Draymond's chokehold. Were you watching the same thing as we all were? Gobert, Gobert, didn't, Gobert didn't even have his hands on Clay Thompson's neck. Like, bro, like Bob Fitzgerald and Kalena Azubuki, the worst excuses of commentators you can ever find, uh, you can ever find in professional sports bums biased bums somebody's got to say it how you can see that play unfold and you have instant replay too how you can see that play unfold how you have instant replay and still say the same bs you just said it's ridiculous it's utterly ridiculous and i know draymond's going to get a lot of the negative attention for this but nobody really knew about the fact that clay started this and to think that he wasn't suspended for a game, honestly, the way that he's playing, the way the way that he's playing, him him on the floor and breaking up shots might be enough of his suspension as it is. So I digress. But there's just a lack of accountability from the Warriors 
not only from the not only from the commentators, not only from the NBA and how they've they've handled Draymond's nonsense, but also from Steve Kerr too, trying to defend his players, trying to defend the culture, trying trying to defend that culture and saying that they didn't really do anything wrong. There's just been a lack of accountability. Like from the Warriors, just all because they orchestrated a different level of basketball, a different brand of basketball, and are four-time champions because of it as of late, like within the past decade. It's got to change. It's got to change. And truth be told, I don't know if it's going to, but there's a lot of problems with there's a lot of problems with the Warriors off the court and even on the court too, because Steph offensively, he's carrying that team. <laughs> On the court struggles are one thing as Curry is dealing with a knee sprain. They didn't need any. They didn't need any of this. And there's no accountability. Case in point: Zaza Pachulia when he was with the Warriors when he injured Kawhi. From top to bottom, the Warriors organization, which was known as cream as the cream of the crop once upon a time, suddenly not so much. I am going to extend an olive branch to the Golden State Warriors commentary team. Every commentary team has bias, especially when you're not the national broadcast. When you are the local broadcast, when you are paid by the team, basically, to cover the game, there's obviously going to be a bias there. That is just going to happen. When they're paying your paycheck and you see them every game, you know, that can happen. But the way to get around a player that you would say is clean doing something wrong is you say that it's out of character for the player. Or that is something we don't normally see from that guy or girl, whatever particular sport you're covering. You find loopholes to be able to say, that is not what I normally see from this player, but they happen to do it now. Like when Brad Marchand does his shenanigans. It's not like we haven't seen it before. So you just say, that's him. He plays on the edge. Sometimes he crosses it. Normally it's when Boston's losing and he does some extra weird stuff and gets himself even more trouble. But then there's guys like Patrice Bergeron who never took a step wrong. If Patrice Bergeron did something quote-unquote dirty, then that would be out of character for Patrice Bergeron, for Mm. example. And it'd be okay to say Patrice Bergeron has never done that before. We'll probably never do that after. But in that situation, he can't do that. That was wrong. That was incorrect. You know, that was over the line, whatever. It is okay to say that Draymond Green at the end is an idiot. But it is okay to say something like, you know, mild-mannered, you know, Clay Thompson, and then watch the replay and go, well, actually, you know, it looks like Clay kind of started that little fracas, but in fairness, Jade McDaniels did fight back. You know, that would have been okay. I, I still yeah. would have been – I still would have rathered them go at Clay a little bit more for what he did. But at least then you're like, okay, well, at least you saw what I saw. You saw Clay grab a hold of him, not let go, and then Jade McDaniels say, oh, hell no, and fight back. Then it's like, you know, hey, Clay did grab him first, but then Jaden, you know, excess force, and then the whole thing starts. Okay, fair enough. But they didn't even acknowledge what Clay did. They just acted like Jaden McDaniels just grabbed him and started throwing him around like a rag doll. Not initiating that Clay literally grabbed the front of his jersey first and held on first. He lets go, there's no fight. Cage, if he grabs a hold of that jersey and Jaden McDaniels pushes him once and he lets go, there's no fight. No real fight, at least. Probably double text at most. Yeah, at most they just come back together and they shoot, they have some they have some, you know, gun jabbering, they have some uh some lip service, and they might get a tech or a flagrant, whatever. 
but there would be no fight. There would be no fracas to have. Draymond and trying to be the enforcer would have never happened in the first place. Exactly, and Draymond would still be on the team right now, or still be, you know, non-suspended. But regardless, so that did upset me. I'll be honest. I wa- I watched that clip without even you telling me to. I, I just watched the clip, and then I heard what the commentator said. And that really did upset me. You know, with the what is J- Jade McDaniel's doing? I went. You, you're so you're telling me the young guy is the guy who started this when he did obviously didn't when the vet starts it and you you back him because again cage what happens normally when that happens when it's a vet versus a young guy you always blame the vet why because they know better that's the whole point the older guy is supposed to know better and Clay mm-hmm. Thompson instigated the fight Draymond Green escalates the fight. And only one of those guys got suspended, not both. And now there don't be another word spoken about Clay Thompson out of this situation because no one seemingly wants to put any blame on Clay Thompson for starting the whole damn thing in the first place. There is talk about Clay Thompson. It's just about like how his struggles are offensively, but not but not about the fact that he started this entire mess. Maybe my words were a little bit harsh, like going off going off going off the rails a little bit. But when you see something like that, it, like come on. There at least has to be a sense of accountability as a com as a commentator, and like saying like, okay, like you probably shouldn't have done that. It's sort of out of character for you. Um, or with Draymond, like that's who he is. He crosses the line. He crosses the line every now and then. That would have been better to just rather than just flat out lie. Flat out being blind like me, like damn, like they might need my glasses at this point. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I'm glad you mentioned none of the Timberwolves stepped in to help him. I think that's the. I think that's just a product of how the NBA is, and I think that it's just a product of how the league has gone soft. I can't really blame the Timberwolves for that because. Just trying to just trying to get into fights or just get into skirmishes skirmishes is just frowned upon now. Ever since the Malice of the Palace happened, and ever since that big brawl happened at I think it was Madison Square Garden like years ago between the Nuggets and the Knicks, I personally don't think that's an indication of how the Timberwolves are because at the end of the day, the Warriors want them to kind of engage in that mess. They want to take their heads out the game and credit Golden State. They they credit Minnesota, even though they struggled that game. They found a way to win that and keep their players in keep their players in the game. Um, now Minnesota obviously has other issues, like with cat uh, playing like a cat in the uh, in the playoffs. Um, the lack of response to that isn't an indication of like how they view Gobert. I think it's just if you try to respond, the NBA panics and just suspends multiple people. Uh, and then it turns into a whole nother mess. Mentally, like mentally, the, t- the Timberwolves were smart about it. Street code or bro code wise, not so much. Well, kid, I'll tell you this right now, and we'll move on. If that was you, if you were my teammate, and somebody put their hand around your neck, they're getting put down. Mm-hmm. I don't care if that means I get walled by four other guys. He's getting laid out. Because I that ain't happening in front of me. I can't let that happen. Happen on the mm-hmm. street, happen on the court, it don't matter. That can't happen. So, I guess, again, that's just me. 
regardless of the it's, consequences to my actions, it's, Cage. It's a, it's also mindset too. Mindset's really changed from like how it was in like the early 2019 90s compared to now. Can you imagine Ben Wallace when that happened? Oh boy. Oh boy! Can, can you imagine Ron Artest letting that happen? Can you imagine Stephen Jackson letting that happen? And I'm mentioning all the guys from Mouth of the Palace. Rasheed Wallace. Rasheed Wallace. Anyway, now moving on, we'll quickly talk about the match that we talked about last week: Spurs versus Oklahoma City. The Oklahoma City Thunder come out big winners, Cage. One twenty-three eighty-seven in the first matchup between Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren. Wembenyama yep. and Chet though both struggled, Cage. Both played under thirty minutes in the game. Chet Holmgren, or Chet technically played 30 minutes, but both around the 30-minute, 28-minute mark. Chet Holmgren had 9.7 rebounds, 3 assists in the win. Wembenyama had 8 points, 14 rebounds, and 2 assists in the loss. Both had, I believe, about 1 to 2 steals each and a block each kind of thing. So both players did well defensively. Both players struggled offensively, and Oklahoma City showed that they are a lot better than the Spurs because they have a lot better young guys, you know? Spurs right now really only have Wembenyama. As much as I love um, Keldon Johnson, who didn't play, and I am a fan of Jeremy Sohan, you're a, band, a, band, a fan of De- uh, Devin Fassell. Obviously, mm. just the Thunder have way more young guys and a lot better young guys across the board, especially with their leader, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. OKC is just further along in their rebuild, even if, if you really want to call it a rebuild at this point. I'm not worried about like the offensive struggles of Wemby and Chet. They're rookies. They'll figure it out. Defensively, they're further along than other than many people would think. Um, obviously, Chet Holmgren's part of a better team in the Thunder. Uh, also got a shout-out, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. A ridiculous seven steals. Helped me out a lot in terms of my fantasy team. But anywho. Um, no, nah, you're going to see these two dom- uh, dominate the conversation for years to come. Um... One matchup, one bad matchup offensively between the both of them isn't going to decide that. So it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, obviously, you'd like to see a closer game. But then again, San Antonio didn't have Keldon, didn't have Trey Jones either. His playmaking would have kind of helped things out, which I think still not tra- starting Trey, jo- uh, Trey Jones because. Yeah, I, I I get San Antonio's trying to tank, uh, trying to I wouldn't say tank, but um embrace like the tall lineup. But you gotta need, you gotta have a point guard in there. Um, luckily, and like fortunately for them that it didn't ha- it didn't matter for this one because Trey Jones was ruled out, wasn't playing in this one. But San Antonio's just starting to rebuild, just starting to finally rebuild. Around a generation, a potentially generational star in Wembenyama, and Holmgren is in a different situation where he doesn't have to be that top guy. That honors, he might he might be the fourth option on that team, on some given days with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Jalen Williams, who was a who was who had a great rookie season, and then obviously the do it all guy Josh Giddey's there. And then one here, here or there, you're going to get the occasional Lou Dort thing. So two transformational bigs, but two in very different situations. Wemby does, Wemby's got to do a lot offensively and defensively, and he can't fix the defense by himself. He can't fix the shoddy defense of the Spurs by itself. It's going to take some time. 
and Holmgren, you're being put into more of a structure in place, especially after the Thunder exceeded expectations last season. So was it underperforming, to say the least, especially since it was on TNT? Yeah, but I'm not too worried about the both of them. They've really showed out they really showed out at times during during their rookie seasons thus far and should only get better from here on out well quickly before we move on to our next real topic which is the boston celtics continuing to be dominant they beat the sixers to become the best team in the eastern conference right now another team that's made their surge up the rankings cage the miami heat they just won tonight literally minutes ago they beat the uh, Brooklyn Nets. They've now won seven in a row to go to eight and four on the year. They're now in sole possession of third place in the Eastern Conference. And the Miami Heat have been surging in the East. But over in the West, it's been the Houston Rockets who have won the last six in a row, which make them six and three. Yeah, that means they started 0 and three, won the last six. They're in the top echelons of the Western Conference right now. And like the beam in Sacramento, they won four in a row. They're six and four. They're also moving themselves into the playoff spots of just above the Warriors and Lakers who are in the first two play in spots right now in the West. So some big surging right now for some teams that we at least with Sacramento and Miami, we would have expected to be up there. Houston's a little bit, bit of a surprise with six games on the six games in a row, but it's good to see some teams we expected to be good finally kind of turning that ship around mm-hmm. into the win column. And keep in mind, the Heat have been doing this without Hero, who's been great offensively to start off. Hero's and been they, also had, they also lost Butler at the beginning of this winning streak. They didn't have Butler either. Yep. Um, and Butler's, uh, Butler looked good against the Nets, um, 36 points, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, efficient from the field. Um. Main constant out of all this has been Bam Adebayo. Um, man's been great to start off. He's taking a step forward. He's he's hitting. He's occasionally hitting the the three pointer, but I want to say it's Jaime Jaquez Jr. You would be right. The former UCLA uh, Bruin. Um, the reason why Cajun's saying he's questioning is because his name his names are both J's. So if you pronounce it in English, it'd be Jamie. But because he's of, of Latino descent, it is Jaime Jaquez Jr. Jaime Jaquez Jr. Um, but it's something about this Heat team, something about this Heat culture, they always find role players that are shine for them when nobody thinks they would. Last season, it was Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. This season, it's been Jaquez Jr. Um... Duncan Robinson has finally has finally reemer- has reemerged again after the emergence of Struess. Now with Struess being a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he had 26 tonight, including making six made threes, uh, including making six threes, might I add. But then, a player that we saw in the finals like occasionally from time to time, but is playing a lot more now, Haywood Highsmith, a defensive menace. Just guys like that that you find out of the out of out of out of nowhere, and the Heat always seem to find those guys out of they sort of make diamonds out of thin air. Um, so There's a reason why we said Eric Spolster was the best coach in the NBA. That's why. And that's why, and that's why the Rockets have been a little bit surprising, but it also speaks to how uh, how much of a good coach Udoka is. 
Ime Yudoka is. Um, because he's empowering a lot of these guys. Um, guys are playing the best basketball of their careers. Our parent Shingun's been empowered, playing more minutes after kind of being chained to just playing 20 to 25 minutes on, or at most under Steven Silas. Um, the addition of Fred Van Vliet and Dylan, the additions of Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, and even Jeff Green as a veteran piece, as a veteran, like a leader in that locker room have really turned things around for the Houston Rockets. And some of the young guys haven't really gone, gone and going yet. Amon Thompson, he's dealing with an injury right now. If they can get something out of him, um, that'll be huge. So they got a lot of good talent, Houston does. Um, I don't think anybody would have expected like a 6-0 start and them doing it on the defensive end. And the Sacramento Kings, well, they finally got Fox back and he's healthy. But I think the biggest sort of pleasant surprise that sort of surprise that has um, the biggest sort of factor that has um, kind of elevated Sacramento as of late, Keegan Murray's been playing a lot better. But also Kevin Herter has um, played to how he was last season because he struggled to start off the season. But now back to three straight 20-point games. Um, and having a guy like Herter go off takes the pressure immensely off of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. And if you got and if you have guys like Keegan Murray, Malik Monk, Harrison Barnes who do their thing, and with the pace and with the frenetic pace that Sacramento plays with. Teams are going to be huffing and puffing like they do like they do when they play at Ball Arena in Denver. Well, I will quickly mention that in fairness to the Rockets, they've played out of their nine games. They played two of them on the road. They're zero and two away from home. They're six and one at home. So maybe when they start playing a couple more home games, they'll come back down to earth a little bit. But still, winning six in a row ain't easy, especially when you've really lose the first three games of the season. Now we're one of those losses. Go ahead. One of those one of those wins was to the Denver Nuggets too, so pretty big deal. Now we will go on to the Celtics, who avenged their uh, first loss of the season to the Philadelphia 76ers. I guess technically their second loss of the season because they lost to the Timberwolves, which I have blocked out of my memory if you couldn't tell already. Amen, they amen, the amen, amen. The, they couldn't get past the great Carl Anthony. T- I'm kidding. <laughs> I will. I will jump to this. I will jump through this camera right now, camera. I will jump right through this camera. I will jump through Skype and slap you up. Anyway, so the Celtics avenged their loss against the Sixers, 117-107, in their second matchup in his base in basically a week. Second straight in Philly as well, so a big road win for the Celtics, taking sole possession of first place in the Eastern Conference off of 29 from Jason Tatum, a great late surge from Derek White, who had 27. And Cajun, I want to talk about the game. If you want to break it down a little bit, you can. I did watch the game. I watched the first three quarters of the game. First three quarters. I didn't watch the fourth quarter. I didn't have a time. I My, my stream didn't end up lasting that long, even mm-hmm. though it was on, I think, TSN, maybe sports. I think it's actually on sports. Regardless. I did watch the first three quarters. 
Celtics had a great first quarter, had a horrible second quarter, had a pretty good third quarter, and they exploded back in the fourth, D. White specifically in the fourth quarter. He didn't have a great game. D. White did. He had a great game after I stopped watching. Maybe maybe it was me. Maybe I was giving too much pressure on D. White. I don't really know. I don't really know. Anyway, I want to talk about the halftime show. Because, Cage, I know you were at MLSC. I know you were at the Raptors game when they got shellacked by the Giannis antetokounmpo list Bucks. I mean, people forget but, they still have Damian Lillard. And Damian Lillard had a great game, probably his first real great game since being a new buck down there in Wisconsin. But anyway, maybe, maybe maybe his great game, maybe his greatest game since the season opener against the Sixers. Exactly. So I want to look at the halftime report, Cage, because you know I watched the game, watched the first half, watched the Celtics have a great first quarter, had a horrible second quarter. Sixers make that big comeback. They end up leading going into the half. Yep. I'm sitting there eating my dinner, and I okay. look down, and I see Michaela Andrews and three other people, Kendrick Perkins, I don't— um, Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, Will Bond, <laughs> Michael Will Bond. Oh, boy. Uh, pardon my interruption, I believe. I believe yeah. that's his name, Mr. Will Bond. And I can't tell you who the person was beside Michaela, but regardless, there was four people on this panel, right? Michaela's obviously the host. She— Throws to Adrian Wojnarowski Cage. What do you? Oh, you mean Mel- for- Mel- Millie Andrews? Pardon me. Millie Andrews. Yeah. Okay. okay she threw so to she- Adrian Wojnarowski. Okay. She threw okay. to Woj. What do you think the first thing they talked about in the in the halftime report? Again, first time back. How to break between the game? We get these to the halftime report. What do you think the first thing they talked about was? In the halftime of the Boston Celtics versus Philadelphia 76ers, top two team in the East, winner takes first spot in the Eastern Conference. What do you think the first topic they talked about was in the halftime report? And basically, something, about the the t- I add. something tells me it might be Draymond Green's suspension. You'd be right. The first thing oh, they wow. talked about, the only thing they talked about was throwing to Adrian Wojnarowski, who broke the news that Jermont Green got suspended five games. Now, Cajun, can you explain this to me? Why yes. did they talk about a guy who got suspended from a team in the other bloody conference? Who cares? I am watching the Boston Celtics versus Philadelphia 76ers, top two team in the Eastern Conference. Winner takes the Eastern Conference crown for now. They've already played. The Sixers beat Boston in Philadelphia. They had a great second quarter up at the half. And they talk about Draymond Green? Why? I don't care this news just broke. I do not care. Do not. If this was a Western Conference game, I'd let you get away with it. If this was a bad game between two horrible Eastern Conference teams, I'd let you get away with it. But the two best Eastern Conference teams right now playing their second game in a week after a big second quarter comeback by the Sixers, and your first topic is Draymond Green getting suspended five games for being an idiot like he's always been? Are you joking? Like, what? I couldn't believe it. They didn't talk about anything else. They just talked about Draymond Green. One guy gave his analysis. Didn't even hear anything from Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick didn't even speak the whole segment. And then went back to break. Well, that's the first. I and I didn't see them again. Well, no, but you know Andrews was hosting it, right? So he he want no part of that smoke. Anyway. Fair enough. Like um, 
I, I literally couldn't believe it. I was so confused. Like, I didn't hear any breakdown analysis. I didn't hear anything about the game I'm actively watching. I'm hearing about a guy that doesn't play for either of these two teams, doesn't even play in this conference, for a team that, no offense, I don't care about. Like, I think this is, this is a sad part about not just NBA media, but media in general. They thrive off on they thrive thrive off in narratives at the expense of game breakdown and and, and analysis. And the biggest news during that time during the and during that time was Draymond. But with that being said, you can't spend an entire halftime segment talking about Draymond Green, Donkey from Shrek. Like, come on, like. Especially when it's not in relation now. I think it should have been mentioned during the halftime show, but no. that shouldn't have been the no. first thing. No, it shouldn't have. You know why it shouldn't okay. have? Because these, okay. these they are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. There is no reason to talk about Draymond Green. If you want to mention it off the top and just say Draymond Green was suspended for five games, R. Adrian Wojnarowski just released it, you know? Yeah, maybe ago. something, maybe something like that. And then you say, but going back to the game that you are watching between the Celtics and the Sixers, Celtics having a great second quarter, having a 16-point in favor second quarter to go up going into the half. Yeah, and that's exactly how it should have been mentioned. And Cage, you know how aggravating it is? It's not like, you know, I am a Celtics fan. I don't watch a whole lot of games. I don't. I am an openly, openly do not like watching sports anymore. I don't, and there's exactly why. Cage, I watched the halftime report. I got, I got upset. I was eating my dinner, and I got upset. I was like, "This is stupid. What, what am I watching this for? This is pointless." I can literally scoreboard watch and get the exact same information I just got. Like, you didn't add anything to my broadcast. You did nothing. You literally, you equi- you did the equivalent of nothing. And what's even more aggravating to me, Cage, what's blo- boiling my blood just a little bit more. It's not like there weren't storylines inside the game. I've already told you the Celtics had a great first quarter, dominated the first quarter. Then the Sixers roar back, take the lead at the very end of the basically quarter for the first time since like the opening minutes of the game, take mm-hmm. the lead going into half. And if you want to talk about that, you want to talk about the first quarter or the second quarter cage, that's fine. That, that's, that's fine. You know what you can talk about? The Celtics missing Kristaps Porzingis and Jalen Brown. And still going up to that great start. Out. Sam Hauser and Al Horford were starters last night, or I think last two nights ago. Regardless, you could talk about how they looked, what the team looks like with them on the floor, how long you expect them to stay with that lineup. How does Creighton Pritchard find his way in the game? Delano Benton played in that first half. Oh, Rex still played in that first half. Damn. There were there were so many other things you could have talked about in the game. And they talked about none of them. None. Zero. Zilch. And, and I unfortunately don't and understand. Unfortunately I do. <laughs> and it's viewership. And it's viewership. People love seeing narratives. And the unfortunate part about sports media now. It's that they don't report on analysis and game-by-game breakdown because they think that that's boring. 
They don't think that sells. What sells is narratives, and it's messed up. It's messed up how that's the case. And it shouldn't be excused that you spend an entire halftime segment talking about somebody who's not even playing the game, and in, and on top of that, in another conference, that should have been meant. That should have been like ten to fifteen seconds at most. But instead, that wasn't. Instead, the fact that that was an entire halftime segment is shameful. Like, what are we doing? Like, like even for you and I going to school for for. Radio and TV broadcasting, seeing that we're we're being taught certain things and seeing that occur on now, TV is now I can tell you, Cajun, with confidence, with like more confidence than I have in most other things in my life that are not involving sports. Yep. If John Shannon saw us do that, we would have got pulled off the air. Yep. We, we would have been pulled off the air in our own television show shown to nobody but us. John Chan would have forced us to black, pulled us all out, and said, what in the hell was that? He'd say a lot more uh, choice words He would have been that, a lot more but... colorful than I chose to word it. And that's because I love John, by the way. I am a big fan of John Shannon. But regardless, and I would he would have been right. Cajun, guess who would agree with him? I would have. I would have been the first kid to go, you know what, John? You're right. That was stupid. I don't know who came up with that, but that was dumb. That was very that was very dumb. And I would have probably tied a talk, whoever decided that up, to be like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that because that makes no sense. But you know what? Do what you're going to do. I can only do what I'm supposed to do. But we would have got pulled off the air if we did that. And if we mm, showed that to our live events teacher when we were, when we were doing halftime reports, we would have got pulled off the air. He would have asked us, what the hell was that? That's exactly not what I told you what to do, and that is, is a horrible halftime report because you didn't talk about any of the analysis. There was no analysis. There was no breakdown of the game that was happening on my television screen. And even if that was, and even, even if that was talked about, that shouldn't have been the first thing. That should not have been the first thing. I'm like, focus on the game at hand. When we were taught, focus on the game at hand. And then... Like in another segment, because we were actually taught this. Literally, by somebody who was the producer of the Toronto Raptors for like yeah. literal like 20 years. So I'm also not saying this out of a perspective of just fan ignorance. I know what's supposed to happen. I know what I want to see happen. And neither of those two things occurred. That's why I'm upset because I know I didn't like it, and I know if I would have done it, I would have been told not to do that again. Oh, you would have been we 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 would have been eviscerated for that. We would have been very much eviscerated. But anyway, it's just un it's just unfortunate because like that's the new normal. <laughs> that's what sells apparently. Well, good to know I'm a part of the minority who says that is. Hogwash. But regardless, we'll now move off of hating. Lots of haterade in the first hour of this episode. But regardless, was, we're not going to go to something I actually like. So, Cajun, go ahead. I mean, I don't know. It's just not. It's just nonsense, and like it's also about player narratives too. Because we talked about Brian Damaris too, on about like 
and this was and and this was actually rel related to what what was a topic because um the Clippers were playing the Mavericks at one point. You know what was funny about that? I think one of the I think a Valley Sports executive, Valley Sports West executive, wanted to take took it took that video down of Demiris going off on Harden because. It doesn't align with the Mavericks' views, as if the internet hasn't already seen that. And downloaded it and reposted it everywhere. But anyway. Yeah, it's just like... TV has not been the same. Sports television, sports media, it's ju it just hasn't been the same. And... You know what, Cage? I'm going to steal a quote, and people can dislike or like his politics. I will, I will, I will stand firm and say, I cannot confirm or deny... But make sports media great again. Because, my God, do we need a revamp across the board. Because it is sad. It's gotten it too personal. It's, got, it's gotten too personal. It's gotten to the point where casuals can't watch. And that's the problem. That's why every sport is dying. It's why every sport is begging for viewership. And why every sport is trying to find ways to make new, make more money with this play-in tournament and all this other garbage. It's because they're not marketing to the casual. They're not marketing to the person who's not going to watch unless you make them interested. You're marketing to the percentage that do not watch your broadcast. Not the people that are going to watch it regardless. Cage, I was going to watch the Celtics play the Sixers. Regardless of who the commentary team was, the halftime show... Regardless of all of those things, I was going to watch. Was Some Doc people Rivers are was, not like me. Doc Some people are scanning through the channels trying to find something to watch. That's mm -hmm. who you're marketing to. That's the person yep. you're trying to stay on the channel. Do not adjust your television set. Do not change the channel. We'll be right back with the two best teams in the Eastern Conference battling it out for the top spot in the East. A week ago, the 76ers beat the Celtics for their second loss of the season, their second loss in a row, to take sole possession of the Eastern Conference. They're now deadlocked again. Let's see who can take it. The Celtics without two starters. Like, the story's there. You just got to tell it. To the person who does not know. Not to the guy yeah. who already saw the injury report two hours ago. Who knows what's going on. Mm. But anyway. But anyway. So now going on to stuff we actually care about. Well, stuff I actually care about. Stuff I love. College ball. Men's and women's ball. In full effect. Some big games going on across the board between the men's and women's brackets. But before yep. we get there, Cajun. Before we make the jump to... The men's and women's college basketball ranks. I got a Scrabble board for you. Okay, I imagine that. I got I got three names for you, Cajun. Three names. Ooh, all three, of three, which, three. All three of which play college basketball. In either the men's or women's bracket. Okay. And are you ready? Let's do it. So the first name on my Scrabble board. Are we talking first names or last names? It's all last names. Okay, okay. All last okay. names. But the first name okay. on my board. U-K-S-C-R-B-E-E. -E. Paige Burkers? It is 
Beckers, Paige Beckers. Beckers. And I also, Beckers. I also messed that up, Cage. I also thought it was Bukers, but it is Beckers, Paige Beckers, who had 24 points in number eight UConn, crushing number 20 Maryland, 80-48 earlier today. I watched the first two quarters of this game. It was impossible to find a stream without being interrupted, so I was able to watch the first half basically uninterrupted before I was unable to find a stream that wasn't interrupted. But Paige Beckers led the way with 24 and had a big win for UConn, who I think are finally starting to pivot their way back to what we all know them as, as probably the most dominant female program in all of the nation. Also to mention, Cage, I believe their second-leading scorer was Canadian Ali Edwards out of Kingston, Ontario. And from Crestwood Preparatory College in New York. So... Canadian on the top team in the, or one of the top teams in the nation. And after a big win against Maryland, don't be surprised. Even with UConn's loss, the NC State, North Carolina State, I expect UConn's going to make a big pivot up. And here's my thing, Kate. I put it in our doc that I think UConn's looking be- is pivoting back to of old, pivoting back to when they were the most dominant team in all of college sports, let They're alone finally gender. They're finally healthy. They're finally healthy, but I also think that – this is the worst they're going to look. This yeah. is when all the all the girls are back. They're all trying to find a way to play with each other. They're all trying to find a way to get that chemistry that they haven't been able to have with all the injuries. And it's still injuries they're battling through with Azzy Futt hurt. You give them Man. two months to play against some of the top teams in the nation before they get to Big East play. And they're by the time we get to, to By the time we get to the tournament in March... UConn could be the best team in the nation. Maybe not ranked number one in the nation, but they could be the best team in the nation and be a very big contender, as they don't normally are. But for the first time in a while, Kate, I think you're going to have that feeling of UConn going to steamroll their way to another national championship. It's going to be like it's, it's going to be that inevitable, like it's going to be that inevitable feeling of UConn versus everybody else. I was like, who who will be the team that beats UConn? Because what was that winning streak? Was it like 86? It was a lot. It was including a couple national championships in there, Cage. It was a lot. 111. 111. And that was broken by Mississippi in the Final Four. I assume that's Mississippi State. I assume that's Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. It was Mississippi State. Um, but you, you got but you got page backers, so we'll keep moving before I take too long. My next name, are you ready? Yes. I I S C N N O D K. I I S C N N O D K. I I S C N N O D K. And again, these are all college athletes. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think. Now, I'll be honest, Kate. I thought this one was the easiest one. Oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, 27 points, 21 rebounds. Kansas's own Hunter, Hunter Dickinson, former Michigan Wolverine under Coach Jawan Howard. It is now current Bills self center. Hunter Dickinson had 21 points, 20 run rebounds, and three steals against the Kentucky Wildcats in a 89-84 win for the number one team in the nation right now in the men's pool, Kansas Jayhawks over Kentucky. They now continue their undefeated streak this start start the season, and now they set up a game against the number nine-ranked Duke Blue Devils. 
in the and, championship and, classic. And they were and they were down double digits at the se- in the second half to Kentucky too. So that was an impressive comeback as well. Yeah, they play Duke now because of Duke beating Michigan State, who now have their second loss of the year might be unranked once we get to the new rankings in a couple of days. Duke beat them 74-65 in their opening game of the Champions Classic. One other big game that happened on the day that Kansas and Duke won. Another ranked on ranked game, uh, ranked on ranked game cage. Marquette beat the Illini. Illinois lose 71-64 to Marquette, former University, of course, of Dwayne Wade. Number four right now in the nation are the is the Northeast School. Mm-hmm. And they could be another team that maybe, just maybe, might be able to find their way into a big matchup. Now, Shaka Smart, their head coach, I don't have a whole lot of faith in, didn't really have much success, in my opinion, at Texas, didn't do well in the tournament last year with Marquette, but you got to think, this team looks really good, and the Golden Eagles might have, for the first time in a while, a team that could really make some noise in March Madness. Mm-hmm. And, and, Cage. and also, we had a big upset a couple of days ago with USC going down. I will actually mention that here in a second. I do want to mention, though, Tyler, and I believe, make sure I don't mess that, uh, Kolek had 24 in the win over the Illini. By dimension cage, the last game I'm going to mention, other than, of course, Crichton and Iowa, I said that game was going to be semi-close. 92-84 win for Crichton over the Iowa Hawkeyes, who I might mention here in a second in the women's pool because of a game going on right now. And I actually will mention it here from the way the result's looking. But regardless, before I get too sidetracked, I will mention the last big upset we've seen. USC, number 16 in the nation, lose to UC Irvine. University of California at Irvine beat the Trojans 70-60. to 60. In fairness to the Trojans, they were without their second top player in Boogie Nelson. But even with Isaiah Collier and his 23 points, they could not beat the more academic. I believe that's Anteaters, so I'd pronounce that. I guess hmm. Anteaters before I mess up my reading. Because again... My reading is not particularly good, so I'm immediate. But the Anteaters, able to upset the uh, top-ranked USC. We got an upset on the women's side, too. I think, yeah, I'll let you mention that. I will mention that in just a second, but we got to finish Scrabble Work, Kate. I got one more name. Yeah, go on. And it's another upset, might I add. W-S-E-A-D-D-R is my last name. W-S-A-A? No, no, no. W-S-E-A-D-D-R. Aaliyah Edwards? No, not Aaliyah Edwards. Last name is right, but the player is wrong. All right, give me a clue. They were the biggest upset on Tuesday, November 14th. And again, this is a college athlete, men's or women's. Biggest upset. On November 14th, which was Tuesday, after we recorded. All right, I need another clue. Yeah, another hint. She plays yeah. for the Baylor Bears. That should give it away right there. Drayuna Edwards? Drayana Edwards of the Baylor Bears led the way as Baylor at home in Waco 
upset the Utah Utes, number four in the nation in the women's pool, lose 84-77 to Baylor. And again, that's in Waco in Texas for Baylor. And Edwards had 14 points, six rebounds, four blocks, three assists, and two steals in the win for the Green Shirts. So a big win for Baylor to start off their campaign against, again, the number four team in the nation going into the game. Speaking of upsets, we might have had a bigger one today. That we did, Cage. I will mention it now. The Iowa Hawkeyes, the Caitlin, the Caitlin Clark-led number two in the nation Hawkeyes have lost their first game of the year. Number two falls after number one beats Clemson at 109-40, did South Carolina the Gamecocks. But Iowa lose 65-58 to the Kansas State Wildcats. So Kansas State stay undefeated against the Big Ten school. And now Iowa's going to go back to the drawing board with their first loss early in this season. And Caitlin Clark, she may have had 24 points, led the team, and actually was a game high, but 9 for 32 and 2 for from the field and 2 for 16 from downtown. Folks, if you want to know what that percentage is, that's 12.5% from downtown. And I want to say, I want to get my math skills right. 28.1% from the field. I will also mention, even though they beat Virginia Tech earlier this month, basically a week ago against VT at Virginia Tech, they lose at home to Kansas State, the unranked Wildcats, might I add. So even with Iowa's big win, they're going to fall in the top 10 rankings, in the top 25, pardon me, not very far because obviously that big win earlier in their schedule but still, that was the last real big game out of conference. Well, the last game you maybe thought they might lose at a conference here for the Hawkeyes. And now they're going to have a tough road to be able to prove they're a top team now with no real other big ranked games on their schedule at a conference for the Hawkeyes. And I, think, and I think there were two big stats from this game as I'm sifting through the box score. Two for 21 from three. 9.5%. The only two were hit by Caitlin Clark. And she attempted 16 of them. And then the turnover differential, 16 to 9. In such a close game like that, and especially that fourth quarter, 23 to 14. So they were up two heading into the third quarter. And Kansas State just pulled it off. Um, So... Well, credit to Kansas State for pulling off a, a mass, maybe the upset of the year thus far for women's basketball. But Ayoka Lee, 22 and 12, double double in terms of points and rebounds. So big win for Kansas State and I, Iowa. Now I got to get back to the drawing. This loss is going to be tough to stomach in terms of their rankings, in terms of the top 25 rankings. Ioka Lee with 22 points and 12 rebounds plus two blocks led the way 
for Kansas State in their marquee win to start off their season, who are now almost guaranteed to get themselves ranked with this big early season win. They also do not go against another ranked team, at least for a while, probably till they get to their conference play in the Big 12 as I look mm-hmm. down their schedule. But regardless of that, it's a marquee win over a team that everyone probably thought will be a national title contender in Iowa, especially with one of the best players in the nation in Caitlin Clark. Yep. But I will now move on from the big loss for Iowa today. And to finishing off, I think the Champions Classic, I did mention it with the Scrabble board in the men's pool with Duke now having to go against Kansas in the tournament. And again, just the past couple of days, no other real big upsets have come to pass. Texas won yesterday against Rice as the only ranked team in, in action. And then today, technically yesterday on Thursday, Houston was able to beat Townsend 65-49. So no more upsets as of yet. Games today on Friday, there's no ranked on ranked games, so we'll see if any upsets come to pass before our next episode on Monday. But there are some games going on. The next big ranked on ranked games don't come till Monday. When to start, I believe it'll be the Maui Invitational. The Purdue Boilermakers take on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, number two in the nation versus number 11 in the nation. Last time these two teams played would have been in November last year in 2022, I believe basically at this same tournament, and Purdue rocked the Bulldogs 84-66. So we'll see if history can stay in the Boilermakers' favor or if Bills or Mark Few, pardon me, if Mark Few's Bulldogs can come back and take a win off the number two team in the nation right now. Remains to be seen, but... Big game, uh, big, uh, big early test there for both teams, and I don't think I have a game that I'm working, so I'm gonna tune into that one. I would on Monday, November 20th. Another big game going on that day is UCLA, the Bruins. They take on Marquette, they take on the Golden Eagles. So that's another big game, same Maui Invitational. That one's at 11:30 Eastern. So if you can find the Pac-12 versus Big East teams, both undefeated right now, that could be a game for UCLA to try to upset the number four team in the nation and get themselves ranked in the polls. As that really is like the last big ranked-on-ranked game for a while, at least on the schedule. I do see that Michigan State's got to play Arizona in basically a week's time. That's 18 right now versus three. You think Michigan State's probably going to fall to the rankings with their second loss in this early season. And that could be their third loss against an Arizona team that has already played spoilers in this season, winning their second game of the year over the Duke Blue Devils. At Duke, might I add, that was in Cameron, in Carolina. So... This Arizona team's already played spoiler. Can they do it to Michigan State as well? And that's in Arizona. That is in the su- in Sunrise. Mm-hmm. So Michigan State's season will get any easier right now at a conference, which is a blessing because when you eventually do get to the end of the season with, you know, 
five or six losses, when three of those are to top teams in the nation, are they really against you? You know, are those games really that bad? Or are they, you know, hey, we played against the best and, you know, they got the better of us on the night. James Madison. But even then, they've risen up and they've made the rankings too, I believe. For the first time ever, they're now 24th right now in the nation, our James Madison. Mm. But now to, I believe it's actually it, Cage, to talk about college sports. We talked about the men's pool. And about some big games going on that we hopefully we're going to try to watch. Now, after today with some big ranked on ranked games going on, the next time we have some ranked on ranked opponents in the women's pool before we go, as I quickly scan through the schedule or schedule, depending on what country you're from, still can't find any ranked on ranked games yet. It looks like it's going to be a while unless there's a forced ranked on ranked game that isn't in the schedule just yet. It does. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be at least another week, if not longer. Actually, it will be exactly a week just about when Maryland, who are going to be unranked in this next poll, they take on the Washington State Cougars in a game. And that's in Cancun, Mexico, between the Cougars and the Terrapids. And that's going to be a big game for Maryland with their second loss of the season to try to get themselves back into the top 25 rankings against the undefeated uh, Cougars. And then on the same day, that's 11 a.m. on Thursday, November 23rd, at 6 p.m., the number 15 Tennessee Volunteers, they take on the Hoosiers of Indiana in another big ranked-on-ranked game. Tennessee right now ranked 15th in the nation. Indiana ranked 18th right now in the nation in the women's pool. So those are some big games going on in about a week's time in the women's bracket of the schedule. That looks to be basically it. And actually, I have to mention this one, Cajun, because this could be an absolute barn burner. The next day, Cage, on Friday, November 24th, I will be in the United States during American Thanksgiving, which will be basically over this time, so I'll have some time to watch some ball. I will be, you and I will be in North York doing volleyball, but we do and I got to find a way a little bit to watch some of this game. UConn, the number eight in the nation Huskies, they take on the number three in the nation UCLA Bruins. Oh, boy. And that's going to be an absolute great game. That's on November 24th at 730 Eastern Standards Time. That's going to be another great game between two top teams. And you got to think, UConn's going to make their way up in the rankings, even with their loss to uh, to NC State because of their big win today over Maryland. And UCLA hasn't lost yet. So unless those teams blow a game, they're going to rematch for the first time since 2021, where UConn beat UCLA 71-61. But that was a couple of years ago. So we'll see if it can continue in favor of the Huskies, or if this most recent result will go to the top-ranked team, the higher-ranked team in the Bruins. And I also should mention, because I was trying to figure out where this was, because I didn't recognize this the, the name of the, the place, this game's taking place in the Cayman Islands, Cage, at John Gray Gymnasium in the Cayman mm-hmm. Islands. So another <clears throat> kind of ga- another game off of home territory. It's a neutral site game between the Huskies and the Bruins in the women's bracket. 
some great games, and especially that's going to be a big test for UConn, especially early on in the season where, like you mentioned, Spence, chemistry is still going to be a work in progress. Some of these girls are coming back from big injuries. Paige Becker is being one of them, by the way, that 24-point performance. You got to be happy for the. You got to be happy for it because of the numerous injuries and like the nature of the injury, nature of those said injuries that she has gone through. Um, so super happy for her, super super stoked for her, and that's gonna be that's gonna be must see TV. That it will be, and again, I will also mention they still got some more injuries for the Huskies. AZ Fudd didn't play tonight. She is also hurt right now. So we'll see if she is able to get back in the lineup for that game in about a week's time. And if a knee injury is why she missed out on the Maryland game there for AZ Fudd. So we'll see if Fudd and Beckers can be on the floor at the same time for Mm. the game against those Bruins. But if you made it all the way to the end, thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, Sticking with us throughout this long show, but for Cajun Thiru, Thanny Castle, Mama Spencer Byers, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of regularly scheduled programming here on the Outrage Inc.